Today's scripture reading is from, the, from Paul's letter to the Philippians, the first chapter, the 12th through the 18th verse. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in change for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does that matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from the false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. This is the word of the Lord. Recapping last week, um, our message was titled Abounding Love. So Pastor Meek uh, brought the word and it said uh, our title was Abounding Love. We learned that Paul was in chains and he sends a letter uh, to people of importance, people who he cared about. We learned that we have Uh, We can have good intentions, but sometimes God changes our plans. Um, He changes our plans from good to the best plans. And that that spoke, I was like, wow, you know what? There are some things that I think are good. Like, these are good things that I'm doing, and God's like, they are good, but I need you to do what's best. And so Pastor Mies talked about how he changed Uh, uh, Paul's plans from good to what was best. Uh, God fulfills this through the grace given to us through Christ Jesus. Uh, Pastor shared that uh, Paul was a team player. Paul was more concerned about the team, uh, meaning the team of Jesus, than his own self, than than, than himself. He was more concerned about the the, the message getting out before his own self. Team player. We talk about, you know, City Church, our, our team, it takes a team to win a game. Sometimes we, we don't work as a team, right? That's where those, those, those L's came from, us not working as a team. We were, you know, I, I got this, right? And then you think you got this and you drop a pop ball. You, oh, I thought I had it. Uh, next time, coach, sorry about that, King. I, you know, next time. Or you get up there and bases are loaded and you just need to hit. You just need one hit and you strike out. You strike out at softball. Pitch slow. Slowest pitch ever. You see it coming. You missed it, not once, not twice, but three times. And everybody has to go home. That prayer is always the most difficult after a loss. We all gather together. Lord, Everybody bow. We just want to say thank you for this L. We don't want to blame anybody, Nate, our pastor. Um, But, you know, God is good. Uh, So, you know, if you want to have a good time, come out, check out our softball team. We have a good time. And this year we will have more W's because we will work as a team like Paul. Amen. Um, 
Just like Paul, we need to be team players. Now, uh, then pastor shared something that was profound. Paul's relationship was rooted in knowledge. Paul's relationship was rooted in knowledge, not emotion. The reason that's profound is because I looked at how what happens in, in my life as a Christian. When I'm emotional, when I'm running off of emotion, sometimes I don't feel like a Christian. I don't feel like I should be saved. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel it. So what happens when you don't feel it? You're up, you're down, you're up, you're down, you're down, you're down, you're up, you're down. But Paul was rooted in knowledge. He didn't allow his emotions to take over his actions because he understood that Christ had died for him. And that didn't change. But see, our emotions, if we are allowed our emotions to run us, though we know Christ died for us, if we're in our emotions, we get discouraged. How can God use me? Why does he want to use me? Why am I up here? And it's not about you. It's about what my son did on the cross. Him dying. Him raising with all power. That's why you can stand before people and preach a perfect message. Because it's not about you. It's about me. So when Pastor shared that, I said, wow, that's, that's profound. Because it's, he, he wasn't rooted in just knowledge, I mean, in, in, in emotion. It was knowledge. Pastor said, trusting in Christ means we are not living one mistake away from hell. What, what does that mean? We, we are not living one mistake. Because when you're a Christian, right, you're not worried about hell because you're saved. But what happens when we're running in emotion, we're trying to play with that line. It's like, I, how close can I get to, and, and not cross and still be a Christian? I want to get as close as I can to the, I don't want to cross the line, right? I want to play the line, walk the line, look at the line, look on the other, other side of the line, but I don't want to cross it. And Paul, Paul's like, no, because if you're, if you're in, in Christ, you're not worried about that line. So Christians are not worried about, oh, I, if I do this, I'm going to go to hell. We understand that my, my ticket has been punched. I'm on my way. But I changed my ways because of who I serve. So that's just recapping. Amen, amen. So that was last week. Um, today our title is A Paul-Like Perspective. A Paul-like perspective. In order for us as Christians to really grow, we need to have a Paul-like perspective. A Paul-like perspective. Uh, uh, this is uh, Philippians uh, 1, verses 12 through 18. Now, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, I want you to know, believers, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry and others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or, for, or true, 
Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Powerful word this morning. And I know, understand, I'm not taking away anything from Philippians 4, you know, 13. We like, I can do all things through Christ. Who can, everybody loves that scripture. I know even unbelievers who like, yeah, Phil- I know, I like that one. I like that one. That one's good. People got, you know, tatted on their body. I can do all things. But can you? When I really started thinking about it, I was like, you know, it, we hear it so much and it becomes a cliche and people, I can do all things. And I hear, I mean, believers, I hear, I hear you. But can you? Do you? You say you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But yet we wallow. We have pity parties. I don't know if I can go on. I don't know if I can preach. I don't know if I can do what God has called me to do. Why not? Because you said that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So we're, gonna, we're, we're not even going to touch on that yet. We're going to talk about uh, this, this, this powerful message, 12 verses 12 through 18. And my intro says, in order for us to have a better understanding of today's text, we have to shift our perspective. Right? And some of you have heard me say before, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will begin to change. So we have to change the way we look at the text this morning. I wrote for my believers this morning, this is for you. Christians are not to seek the coziest, calmest, most comfortable environments. We love to be cozy and calm and nothing, no, no storms, no trials, no tribulations. God, highly, I'm blessed and highly favored. Why? Because nothing is going on in my life. And then I look at Jesus' life and I'm like, that's totally contrary. He said, I don't have a place to lay my head. Are you sure you want to follow me? So if all hell's breaking loose in your life, then you should rejoice. Because you're looking like your creator. But when you, we, we like to compare, like, why, why do we do that? Because we look at the world, the world says everything is calm, cool, and collected, then you're good. God's, God's around. The hell breaks loose. Hey, hey, no, 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 that's not from God, that's the devil. That, that's the devil. No, no, God wants to develop you. And it, it's amazing that most of, uh, if we look at the text, if we look at the entire Bible, we see growth when there was tribulation. When there was a drought, when there was famine, when there were hard times, peace or whatever. What happened? People, oh, I got to depend on the Lord. Right? When, when all else failed, I had to grab, you know, grab hold of the Lord. So that's why we go through things. Because God wants to develop us. He wants to grow us up, mature us. So don't look at, and I understand, you know, and I, I like it when it's cool. When I don't get a bad phone call, I understand. I get it. But that shouldn't be our end result. We shouldn't just like, okay, I'm saved because nothing is going on. No. No. I was sharing with um, a young lady who had called me about two weeks ago and was sharing with me how her husband was leaving her. She, didn't have a, she had her, uh, her bachelor's degree um, in business, and um, he was leaving her, and she had a five-day eviction notice, didn't have a job, any money, he was taking all the money. Um, and in, the, in their culture, he had purchased her, and so she had to pay the money back that he had bought her with. And she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, so, I mean, can you just tell, give me a little bit more, like, I don't, I'm kind of, you know, you get the phone call, and then you get hit with that, like, hold on, wait, wait a minute. 
And she told me, you know what? She said, it all started in January when I gave my life to Christ. When I was baptized and I, I, I made that public profession, all hell broke loose. And at first he was cool with it, but now that I'm growing in Christ, it's an issue. I said, wow, now I get it. It makes a lot more sense now. Because the Bible says, Jesus Christ said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. A house is going to be divided because of me. Why? We're going to have some confrontation because you're going to love me, and if your spouse doesn't, it's going to be a problem. But you have to love me more. Right? And so in her following the Bible, following the instructions of Christ, it cost her something. So it's, it's, it's difficult, but I had to tell rejoice. Well, how do I rejoice? I, I know it's difficult. But understand that this, there's purpose in your pain. It's, you, know, the world, you know, the world goes through this, and it's pointless. Everybody, divorce, whatever, it does, that's the end of it. You get closer to God, you build a relationship, you meet new believers, you become stronger in your faith. There is purpose in your pain. So everyone, this morning... If you're like me, you're going through something. But understand that it's designed to build you up, not destroy you. So Christians are not to seek the coziest, calmest, most comfortable environments. Christians find fortune in their misfortune. Christians find fortune in their misfortune. So with that being said, let us look at Paul-like perspective. Verse 12, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that because what has happened to me It has actually advanced the gospel. So right off the bat, we have uh, to change our 21st century thinking, right? Because we're selfish. It's like it's all about me. So right off the bat, Paul says, I want you to know that what has happened to me has really worked out to advance the gospel. Why is he saying this? Because people were like, oh, Lord, Paul locked up. We can't move on now. Paul, he was the, what are we going to do? Pastor Mix is locked up. City church is down the drain. I don't know what to do. I can't help people like him. I can't deal with it. I can't take them type of phone calls. I, I can't do it. And, and, and so we look at this right off the back. It, it rocks us. Paul's, Paul said, this is a Paul-like perspective. He says, I want you to know that this is not hindered but helped the gospel. So if I'm sitting there looking at the letter, I'm like, wait a minute. Is this the same Paul that's locked up? And he's in, this is the same part. It's confined, right? He's talking about this situation is really advancing the gospel. That doesn't make sense. Why? Because you can't use your, you know, your natural mind. You have to be in the spirit to understand this. It's mind-boggling. He's seeing the thing restraining him, really advancing him. Doesn't make sense. That's completely opposite of what we're taught. It's like, you know, might as well go home now. He, he's locked up. He's locked up. This reminds me that regardless of what we're going through, they're not meant, these things are not meant to destroy us. God has a greater purpose within our lives. So when we look at things that are going wrong, take a moment and look back. Lord, what is it you're really trying to do in my life? What are you trying to show me? This, it took me back to Genesis 50, 20. The Holy Spirit, when I read this, the first time I read this, Holy Spirit took me back. Genesis 50, 20. Joseph, who was sold by his brothers. Why? Why was he sold? Because he had a dream. He had a, he had a dream, Calvin. And his brother, uh-uh, he got to go. He think he better than us. So uh, in Genesis 50, 20, 
Joseph says these words, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. A Paul-like perspective. So Paul, in his being in chains, says, look, they intended to harm me. They intended to hinder the message. But what they really did was advance it. We could go home now. He said, the thing that is restraining me is really advancing me. It doesn't make sense. Joel, uh, Joseph's perspective was, on the, it was focused on the bigger picture. Look, I understand, brother, you meant to harm me, but God meant it for good. I understand you were, yeah, you were hating on me because I had a dream and I was going to be up here and you were going to be down here, but, you know, you sold me, you tried to do, even in your evil, right? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. What? I can only imagine how dumb his brothers felt like. What? Uh, okay, I guess, but hey, watch your back because he still might try to clock you or something because I know if that had that been me, my brother sold me. When I see him, oh, oh, now y'all back now. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. All right, so um, you know how um, you sold me, right? So now you're back because you need something. You know how people are, you know, how, and that's Christians, right? Christians tell, I'm done, I'm done with you. A week later, hey, uh, hey, Nate, what you doing, man? Uh, can you pray for me? Pray for you. All right, you know, because I, a Paul-like perspective. It, it, it always hasn't been like that. So just, and, and I'm glad I said, Holy Spirit reminded me that Paul came from somewhere. That's, it's, it's encouraging this morning to understand that Paul came from somewhere. Paul wasn't always the Apostle Paul. He used to be Saul, who used to persecute and murder Christians. So right now, you might say, well, I, I did this, or I, I, I broke the law, I, I ran the stop sign to get here. You know, I seen you, right? <laughs> Tell me, like, well, how did he know I ran the stop sign? I didn't see anybody there. So what I'm saying is, it doesn't matter. Paul came from somewhere. God forgave him. Why? Because of what Christ did. I can only imagine the, 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 the things that Paul had to, to, to sit through. He used to murder Christians, and now he's sitting there, a believer. And we know how our conscience is and how the Holy Spirit convicts. So just imagine. Like, oh my God, I used to do this, but now what does it matter? God has delivered me, and now I'm going to use every fiber in my body to advance the gospel. So just like Paul, we have come from somewhere. We were messed up, but God has saved us. Paul-like perspective. Paul was more concerned about the other believers than himself. Verse 12 continues, as a result of having this type of powerful perspective, it has become clear that Paul was in chains for the gospel, and because of this, uh, it had become clear throughout the whole palace guard. And I was reading in one of the commentaries that said that the soldiers, as they were watching the, 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 the uh, jail cells, they would rotate. The soldiers would rotate. So more and more believers, I mean, these guards, these roaming guards were hearing what was going on. 
So they're rotating like, and I, I'm pretty sure, because when we hear good news, when we hear, hey, brother, wait till it's your turn to go in there, they up in there. Ooh, they turn it up. I don't know what's going on, but they're in there excited. He locked up, but he over there screaming and shouting. Oh, you got to go see it for yourself. Is it your turn yet? All right, man, go ahead and switch. So Paul is in chains. And it said they were in prison rejoicing and, and, and jumping and shouting and praising God after being beaten. Why? Because he looked at his perspective was, this is going to advance the gospel. Right? He wasn't, why he could, I, I could have been sitting, I would have sat there, oh Lord, I was headed east. I was headed east. I was my deluxe apartment. I was headed, and, and you told me to go this way, and now look what happened. I'm, I got beat, and now I'm in jail. I'm just talking about how Nathan would have handled it. So I would have sat there, Gene, I need you to go do what you got to do. I need you to put some money on my books. I need you to get me up out of here. You know what I'm saying? Matter of fact, if, the, if, if that prison, and if I was there, the earthquake hit, John, I, John, let's go. We, hey, let's, let's go. It would have been, hey, no, don't kill yourself, right? The guard, he told the guard, no, no, don't kill yourself. We're, we're still here. I'd have been gone. Hey, man, go ahead. I'll pray for you later. You do what you got to do. Uh, you, hey, let's go. But Paul's perspective was, I need to show the love of Christ. Regardless of how they treated me, God has called me here, and he has purpose in me being in prison. There's purpose in my imprisonment. What? It doesn't make sense to us. Paul's perspective is so encouraging. His imprisonment is being spread throughout the whole palace guard. This, this is encouraging because it reminds us that we don't have to be in a pulpit, center stage. We have, all we have to be is exactly where we are and be available. And God will use us. We don't have to be here. This, and I always share... And pastor Meeks, as pastors, we know this is the easy part. Preach, oh, sharing the good, this is the easy part. The hard part is Monday through Saturday. Staying up with your devotion. Praying like you ought to pray. Right? Answering the phone like you should answer the phone. Teaching like you should teach. Studying like you should study. Those are the difficult things. Those are the challenges. This part, or oh, delivering the word, that's good, right? Tell you, oh, go out there, do this, this is what you should do. That's the easy part. But it's when hell breaks loose in our lives, it's, that's the hard part. When Paul was, this is what's going on to me, I'm, going to, I'm telling them to be encouraged, so what? I have to be encouraged. I have to be encouraged. Again, if we change the way we look at things, the things we look at will begin to change. Verse 14, and because of uh, my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel. Paul's chains were advancing the gospel again. Paul's chains encouraged other believers to be bold and unashamed. Remember, Christians were being persecuted for following Christ. And Paul used to be one of those persecutors. What the Romans thought would quiet the gospel did the exact opposite. We're going to lock them up, shut them down, you know, keep them, keep them here for a little bit. They're going to forget about it. But they didn't know that messages were getting sent out and, and, and Roman citizens were being saved because of what they had done to Paul. Wow. 
We may not be in prison, but how we deal with difficult times is a reflection of our knowledge of God. So right now, what is it that you're going through? How are you dealing with it? Are you complaining? Are you, ah, uh, 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 I'm going through this and this and that. I got to, are you complaining or are you depending on the Holy Spirit to encourage you, to uplift you so that the people around you know that there's something different about you? Right? So Paul couldn't be in his position complaining like, I don't know what we're going to do. We locked up Mother Smith. I don't know. They're like, uh, Paul, what? What's going on? Paul was so encouraged, he was so motivated that it motivated them. The other believers became confident. Remember, they they were afraid. What what, what happened? Sister Veronica, it cost you something to be a follower of Christ. But what what Paul understood that if, guess what? I'm I'm an example. And this this is motivation. Right? So don't be, don't be afraid. Look, I'm in chains for the gospel. But this is so that you can be encouraged. So don't be ashamed of the gospel. We have, to, uh, we have opportunities on our jobs, times of indecision, financial burdens, family conflict, church conflict, loss of jobs. This is all opportunities for us to display Christ. All opportunities for us to display Christ. Do we take it? Do we take it? We have to think about it. Do we take it? I say this to say that we should be encouraged by the way uh, other uh, people should be lo- uh, encouraged by how we live, not discouraged. Unbelievers should look at our lives and be encouraged. What can I do to be saved? What can I, again, the Roman guard who, when the earthquake broke, what can I do to be saved? Why? Because how is it that you're so calm? You are facing death right now, but you're calm, and you're worried about Jesus Christ being proclaimed all throughout the world. That's what you're concerned. You're not worried about your own life. How can I get some of that? I want some of that juice. Whatever it is that you said, I need that. Understand that God does not put us into positions to lose, even if the odds may look against us. We are set up to win. Think about that. We are set up to win, but it's all about our perspective. It goes back to our perspective. So when we get a bad report, what is it that we're looking at? Oh, it's just a bad report. Oh, see, I can't win. I can't win. Or is it that I have this bad report so that I can first develop my faith, right? It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause me to trust more in Christ and what he did on the cross. It is, that's part of it. But also... They're looking at how I'm going to deal with this. I just got this bad report. How are you going to deal with it? Matt, you, just, they just, you said you were a believer, and now you got this bad, bad note. How are you going to deal with it? There's purpose in our pain. Looking at retrospect, look at the huge impact Paul's obedience had. Instead of, if he would have kept headed where he was going, even looking at today, we would probably be sending, Asia, they would probably be sending missionaries to Europe and to North America versus, instead of the other way around. Wow. Because of this small change in plans, God said, look, no, I want you guys to go this way. So even unbelievers in the United States benefit from what this believer did a long time ago. That's amazing. Why? Because he was obedient. 
And so he went where God told him to go. Why? He, did he know that Nathan would be sitting here talking about it? No, he understood. Okay, God has called me to do this. I'm going to do this. And you know how we get some, and you probably, but, but God, there's some, I'm going to do some good stuff over here. No, go this way. Right? Run into contact with the, direct with the Roman Empire, and now he's, Romans are being saved. Good, what's best? Good, what's best? Yeah, there were going to be some believers. That were, you probably will have some converts. That, that was good. But I'm looking at the bigger picture. We're going to take this empire down. One believer at a time. Wow. Verse 15 through 17. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and robbery. So looking at, the, at verse 15 through 17, I thought about it. I said, this is dangerous. This lets me know it's, it's possible, right? And we see it on TV today. There are preachers who preach the gospel out of selfish ambition, for selfish gain. Not because I love Christ, but I can make some money here. I see that there are people who are desperate, who, who need saving, and I'm going to capitalize on that. So when I looked at it, I said, Lord, this is, wow. But God reminded me that, remember who's in control. I'm in control. Remember, he said, look at some of the things that you did that were selfish. How you intended, they were intentionally selfish. And how I worked it out for your good. What? There were things that I said, I'm going to do this because I, this is what I want. And then, long did I know that a year from now, those things would be the same motivation or reason why I would become sold out for Christ. Where it may have been, I want to be seen, I want to, I, I, I want to be the one. It became, this is humble pie now. I remember that I used to think that it was all good and just to be that guy, but it's a huge responsibility. So God said, look, you, they, they, they were doing what they wanted, yeah, but guess what? I'm going to deal with them. I have the final say-so. So Paul confirms it. It's true. Some are preaching Christ out of selfish ambition. Guess what? It's, that's, that's fine. God's going to deal with them. Can you believe that preachers were jealous and envious of Paul's God-entrusted ministry? There were preachers who were jealous. Think about that. That doesn't happen today, does it? There were jealous preachers. People are like, oh, you going to city church? Oh, that doesn't happen today, does it? No, it, it, it does happen today. And so these people, and that reminds me that we have to have a God, again, God-centered joy. We have to be focused on Christ. I see this through our own pastor. You come into city church. He puts energy, time, effort, money into you. Into you, he invests into you. And you tell him, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and head over to this other church now. Pastor Meeks says, uh, what? You about to, what? After I done, what? No, it's, you know what, we'll pray for you. I've seen it happen. We've had people come up here, and we've laid hand on it. They're going to head out this way now. Why? Because it's not his ministry. 
And if it's my job to pour into you for a year or for three years or for five or 30 years and you leave me and go and do what God has called you to do, then so be it. My job is just to do what God has called me to do. So how dare us get so, you know, we get so stingy with believers. Think about it. We do. Oh, you're going to go to that church. Oh. The important thing is that they're, it's a Bible teaching church and that they're growing. So we have to grow closer to God. And the closer we get, that's why as Christians, the closer we get to God, we can hold this world loosely. We, we can say, you know what? Then so be it. Because why? I, I, I don't live, this is not home. This is not where I'm going to reside. This, I'm, this is temporary. So Pastor Meese can pour into you, understand that this is temporary. There's a, a greater cause for this. So Paul understood that they were going to get theirs. But the important thing that Christ was preached, verse 18, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this I rejoice. Paul shows us how selfless he is. He knew that some were preaching to build their own reputations while he was in prison. Oh, you know what? Paul locked up. This is my time to shine now. Hey, and look, I know Pastor Meek's not here, but look, this is my time to tell you, look, I'm the real deal. I am the real deal. You really want to get blessed? Follow me. So he understood, okay, there were people out there, but guess what? When that persecution hit, those were the first ones gone. Those were the first ones. Hey, I thought you used to teach it. Not me. I was, I was with it when it was good, but they talking about he was going to kill me if I followed Christ. You crazy. Paul could have become like many of us and started to focus on the wrong things, their own pity parties. Lord, why you have me here when there's people out there who are taking advantage of you? That would have been me. Lord, why are you letting this go on? God's like, I'm, I got this. That's why I'm God and you're you. I got this. I thought about it, I would have probably been depressed in the same way and wallowed in self-pity, not realizing that the God that I serve. Behind it all, Paul knew who was really in control. The reason Paul was able to have this response is because he understood God is going to work out everything, everything for their good. It's, it's a plan. Oh, how I love it when a plan comes together. Oh, how I love it when a plan comes together. As I come to a close, I want to read this excerpt from the book called, Pastor, thank you for this book. If you haven't got it, read it. Called. It's an amazing book. It says, is there hope? Is there any reason to think that the trajectory of human suffering or injustice or social injustice can actually be stopped or reversed? Is there hope that the world of poverty, violence, and injustice will change? Is there hope that our own personal life issues might actually give way to new life, that our downward spiral can be reversed? These questions may be sound philosophical, but they're real and personal. Is there any way that these things can be reversed? Can they be changed? And God sent us as living witnesses, as examples that they can be reversed. So when it comes to social injustice, when it comes to poverty, when it comes to violence, when it comes to these things, the world should look at us and say, I see all these, I see all these evil things, but I also see all these great things through these believers. God 
has sent us, the people, we are to be the reassuring response to these questions. We, City Church, you, Gene, we are supposed to be a reassuring response to these questions. Is there any hope? The unbelievers should look around and see us, and we should remind them that there is hope. When I thought about that, I thought about how many times I left people looking hopeless. Because of my own selfish interests. I was more concerned about what I wanted versus what was best. Some of those things were good. Some of those things were just flat out evil. So I thought about how many times I left people live looking hopeless. From the kids that I served, from my coworkers, I left people looking hopeless. All because I was not focusing on the right thing. My perspective was off. So if we really want to grow, this morning I, I challenge everyone here today to change the way you look at things so that the things you look at will begin to change. Have a Paul-like perspective. Amen?